Well, I too want to say thank you to all of those who were involved in Daily Vacation Bible School and the uh, wonderful result of the Word of God being planted in so many young hearts. And we saw just briefly some of the things that were going on, but the prayers of many people as well as the work of many people behind the scenes uh, were used of God, I think, to bless and cause some great spiritual success. Only heaven will reveal what happened this week, but I am confident God was glorified and souls were brought into the kingdom and little hearts were touched. So thank you, everyone involved in that ministry. Heavenly Father, what an awesome, wonderful privilege it is to come into your presence and we beg you, meet with us. Lord, we pray that the light of the Holy Spirit might give us understanding, that a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is seeing him with our, the eyes of our heart and mind, might cause us to rejoice in his beauty, in his compassion and love. And Lord, as we bow before the sovereign God of the universe, our heavenly Father, we pray, meet with us in power and change us to be more like Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. amen. It's an apocryphal story, but it has a point. There was a man standing at the gates of heaven and an angel said to him, you know, it takes a thousand points to get into heaven. Uh, how have you done earning points? Man was a bit set back and he said, well, um, I'd never heard of that before, but uh, let's see, I, I, was grow, I grew up in a Christian home and uh, I went to church all of the time, read my Bible, um, Never missed Sunday school class. I have enough pins to reach the floor. Uh, I, uh, I married a Christian gal. We have a family, uh, three children. My one son is a pastor. Another son is working with a homeless group. And my daughter married a young man and they're missionaries around the world. I pray for them. I pray for my church. And, and uh, I tithe. I love to tithe. I, I'm now giving 30% of of all that I have. And he didn't quite know what to say, so he said to the angel, how am I doing? And the angel said, that's one point. <laughs> one point? I, I'm in big trouble. Oh Lord, I need mercy. And the angel said, that's it. Welcomed in. You see, the only way we get into heaven is not by gaining points. That's impossible. In fact, I don't think you could even get one out of a thousand. But the way you get in is on the mercy of God who sent his son to save you. And that's what we're finding in the book of Romans. We ended with Romans 4, verse 25, the end of the chapter, that declares in probably a confessional or creedal statement Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Can you read that with me? It's on the screen. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The beautiful parallelism 
uh, is able in short sentence to give us the essence of the gospel. And Jesus died paying for our sins, raised to life, meaning that his perfect righteousness now is going to be attributed to ours and we are justified. Which takes us into Romans chapter five and verse one. Therefore, which of course always sends us back because of that wonderful declaration. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Romans, there are a lot of therefores. Some of my favorite favorites, chapter three, verse 20, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, to those who put their faith in Christ. Here, therefore, we are justified by faith. Chapter eight, therefore, no condemnation. Chapter 12 is a therefore because of all that God has done for us. Application in the book of Romans really begins in full force when you get to chapter 12. Therefore, give your bodies up as a living sacrifice. That's the only reasonable thing you can do in light of all that God has done for us, which are described as his mercies. We come here today because of the mercies of God. And now the Apostle Paul is not so much arguing and debating in dialectic fashion with those who might oppose, like the moralists or the Jews, or even the Gentiles who may think that their immorality is not all that bad. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No longer arguing about that, Paul now wants to declare the benefits of this wonderful justification and what it means to live in the power and glory of it. This text, Martin Luther said, in the whole Bible you can hardly find another chapter like Romans 5 that will equal its triumph. And I want us to enjoy the triumph of this chapter. The Lord knows we've been beat up enough in the book of Romans, and now we need to look away to Christ. We have in spots, but now to focus, as we will, chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven, chapter eight, on the great work of justification in our new relationship with him. So, the fruit of justification is what we're talking about, and the very first one is peace with God. So looking back again at verse one, therefore, since we have been justified and that justification comes through faith, the result is we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some translations have it, let us have peace with God as though it were an exhortation, but it is not. It is a declaration. We have peace with God. Now that doesn't mean that you possess the peace, but it means that it's yours. Sometimes you and I don't possess our possessions. We don't take into life those things that God has purchased for us. It's as though we have a lot of money in the bank and don't realize it and we go around begging on the streets. We need to possess 
what we already possess. And one of those things, according to the scripture, is peace. We're no longer under his wrath. We are under his peace. Peace is sometimes described as the cessation of conflict, like a treaty of peace, and there's some of that in this word. Peace is sometimes referred to as tranquility of heart or mind, and that's some of it. But the peace here is where we once were enemies with God, now we're his family, and there's harmony. It's the state in which we want to live our lives, peace. It's the condition of the next age when Jesus comes to rule and reign on this earth. There will be peace forevermore. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the long-awaited peace coming in the future has now arrived, and you and I can enjoy it in Jesus Christ. Peace with God. If I were to ask you, are you daily walking in the peace of the Lord? Well, let's turn it around. If you were to ask me, pastor, are you walking in the peace of the Lord? It depends on when you catch me. I want to, but I'm easily distracted. I don't know about you. Easily, easily. I take my eyes off Christ and what he has done. The fact that I have peace with God and I get embroiled by all the dumb stuff of this world. And so I have to literally force my mind back to the peace of God in Christ and that's what Paul is doing for us here. You know, we think about peace in our world and someone did a study and revealed that in all the years that there have been empires, there's a a very small period of time where the nations have really lived at peace. We've got war going on right now. It may not be on our shores to the extent that it is in Europe, Ukraine, Russia, but war seems to always be going on. One social critic said, peace is the brief glorious moment in history when everyone stands around reloading. Kind of true. Someone else said, Washington has large, a large assortment of peace monuments. They were built after every war. We have a lot of them. And so it is with believers who even though the battle to walk with God is hard, they forget that they are fighting from the standpoint of peace. Peace Peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Isaiah tells us, chapter 48, there is no peace for the wicked. No peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, trials, battles. So where does the peace come from? It comes from the God of peace, Hebrews 13. The spirit of peace, Ephesians 3. And the prince of peace, the book of Isaiah. The triune God is a God of great peace. And he wants us to know harmony with him and harmony with our creator is heaven on earth. 
It's the life he wants us to live. And it's all because of a changed relationship based on that last verse in chapter four. Jesus delivered up to death for our sins and raised up to life for our justification. There's now a new relationship. We're no longer enemies of God as we are described later on in chapter five. We are friends. We are family with the Lord. And that makes all the difference in the world. There is a baseball game that is going to be played in a couple weeks called the All-Star Game. Now during the year, teams are enemies. They're opponents. They're fighting with one another. Oh, you might see them jawing friend, friendly at first base, but you know they, they want to stick it to the other team. They want to win. And they're fighting against each other. But in the All-Star game, they become teammates. And now they're fighting for each other. And they're excited when their teammate does well. Instead of being teams of Detroit or Chicago, now they're American League or National League. And because of a changed relationship, there's harmony. And so God has changed our relationships so that you and I might know wonderful peace. Live for that every day. Look to Jesus Christ and live. It's not just in salvation. We look to Jesus Christ every day and live in the glorious peace he's promised for us. Thomas Watson, the old Puritan, said, the godly, when they die, enter into peace, quoting Isaiah 57. But while they live, peace must enter into them. Make it your goal every day to live in the peace of God. That's the fruit of justification. And by the way, it comes through Christ. The rest of the verse says we are justified by faith and we have this peace with God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you only go, have to go back to verse 25 of chapter four to understand that. It's the death it's the burial, it's the resurrection of Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Therein lies our peace. It's not in your accumulation of points. And some of you are still living in that point system. It's deadly. And it will destroy your peace because you can never rack up enough points. So I go into the store and they say, would you like one of our cards and sign up for our point system? And if you come back and get 25,000 points, you know, you get a free loaf of bread or something like that. And so at the beginning, you know, it sounded pretty good. Loaf of bread, save a buck, not bad. How long does it take to accumulate those points? It seems like forever. And then you've got 12 of these cards in your billfold or your purse you can't find anything else and it just becomes trash. I hate those things. <laughs> I'm sure there, there might be some good ones somewhere, but I just now have a new policy. No, thank you. I don't want your dumb card. I, I don't say that, but that's my hard attitude. No, thank you. 
Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left an incredible crimson stain that I could not remove. He washed it. What's the rest of it? White as snow. Praise God. That's peace. That is peace all through Christ. Now, there's a second fruit, and that is access to God. So we have peace with God, and now access to God, and that's mentioned in verse two. Through Christ, whom we've gained access by faith. Did you notice it's all by faith? Boy, if you read through the book of Romans up to this point, you can't miss it. It's by faith. You can't earn it. It's by faith. We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. The actual terminology speaks about access into the presence of a dignitary, of a king, a monarch, a president, a place you could never go. But now you've been given access. Christ has paved the way. And access is spoken out throughout the scriptures. It comes from the Father. It's based on the death of Christ, the Son. And it is through the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see, where we have this grace and this energy to stand in the grace. Inaccessible places. It hurts when you want to get into a group and they reject you. That hurts. We all remember that from childhood when we wanted to be part of a certain group and somehow we were left out. And so the Lord is the one who knows that the only way to draw people back to himself is to pay the price they could not pay and gain access through his body and through his shed blood. It comes by faith. And it's access into grace. The dynamic of grace. We talk about grace being God's unmerited favor. And that's a good definition as far as it goes. But it doesn't characterize every aspect of grace. So it's something we don't deserve, that to be sure. But grace is a dynamic placed in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And we are to take our stand like it's a rock in this grace and never move from it. And again, this militates against the whole idea of gaining points to earn God's favor. I'm in his grace and his grace alone And I never want to move from that position. That's why grace is so amazing. That's why grace is so incredible. And not only does it give us position, it gives us power. It's a dynamic in which we can stand. The whole idea of being firm, a long standing as opposed to a short-lived position. Stand in grace. Live in it. And love God for it and praise him every day for it and never forget, it's only by grace. By the way, the Lord is going to let you fall on your face a lot just to show you that you can't do this thing called living the Christian life. 
Is that true? I mean, when's the last time you fell on your face trying to live the Christian life? Oh, this morning? Those of you who are awake would probably say this morning. Multiple times this week. You fall in your own power. You stand in God's power. I stand by grace and grace alone. If I had to stand before the judgment and hear all my sins repeated and think that somehow in spite of that I could stand before a holy God, that shows I have no mind. But when I see my sin and see my Savior and I realize grace is greater than all my sin, I stand. I stand. And when I stand, I'm free to serve and to point out to others the great mercy and grace of God. But there's another one. It's the idea of hope. It's the last part of verse two. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So we have peace with God, access to God, and hope in God. Now, Greek, the Greek idea of hope and the American idea of hope are very similar. They are a wish about a future possibility. It, it, it can be seen in a lot of ways, can it? I, I hope it rains today. Normally we say we hope it doesn't, but that we need rains. I hope it rains today. Is it going to rain? I don't know. Or I hope my candidate wins in the next election. Are they going to win? They might win. And they may not. You just, it, it's a wish having to do with the future based on a possibility. <laughs> but the word hope in the scriptures, you've heard this before, but get a hold of it, is a certainty. It's a guarantee because it's based not on the wish of a man, but on the promise of a sovereign God. The Hebrew hope is a sure hope that cannot be lost. And notice, we are to brag, <laughs> to boast about the hope of God. I thought boasting was bad, didn't you? Usually it is. It's interesting in the Greek New Testament, this word is found almost exclusively in the Apostle Paul. He loves this word. And he likes to play games with this word. The whole idea of boasting and rejoicing. For instance, he said of the Jews in chapter 2, verse 17, you bear the name Jew, you rest on the law, and you boast in God. You glory in God. By the way, the word boast, same Greek word can be translated rejoice or glory. So it depends on your translation. So the apostle Paul says we glory, we boast, we rejoice in this hope of the glory of God. Boasting is not always bad. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, verse two. Verse 11 
We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's all good. Paul said in Galatians chapter six, let us only boast in the cross of Christ. May our boasting be of God. It's kind of the same scenario when you get together with someone who has a new grandchild and you cannot get away. And you never say, do you have pictures? Do I have pictures? And they're so proud. And that's not bad. They're boasting. They're, they're glorying. They're rejoicing in a very exciting situation. But how many times does someone sit down to you and with great joy say, hey, I just got to tell you about my Savior. Now, that may seem a little awkward in our culture, but work your way to the place where you can boast about Jesus to others. Jeremiah chapter nine, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, let not the strong man boast of his strength, let not the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Boast about the fact that by God's grace, you're his child and you serve a perfect redeemer. To fail to boast in God is to rob him of glory. To fail to rejoice in God is to rob him of glory. To not glory in our glorious God is an affront and a slap in his face. And we do this too often. Because of our sins, because of our failures, because of just a busy world, we're so preoccupied and giving God glory doesn't happen very often or not as often as it should. We are to give him glory for this future hope. But wait a minute, there's a turn, as there always is in the scripture. When you get into it, there's a surprise. And he says in verse three, not only this, but you need to boast in your sufferings. I was with Paul all the way up to that point. But now, this doesn't seem like it's going to be fun. Let me read it, verse three. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And then there are three phases to this chain link that talks about spiritual growth. Suffering produces perseverance, the ability to put up and stand in difficult situations. Suffering produces that. You're not going to have perseverance, stick-to-itiveness, without some opportunities to stick to it. <laughs> and perseverance produces character, virtue and maturity that has gone through a trial and come out the other end purified strengthened perseverance produces character and character produces hope hey that's where we began hope in the glory of God 
And now through all of this, there's hope. God has produced hope in our heart. Verse five, and hope doesn't make us ashamed. By the way, the same Greek word that we found back in chapter one, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ and nor should we be ashamed even in the midst of difficulties and sufferings because hope eliminates shame or should because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. I hope you notice the Trinity here in these few verses. Have you seen it? God, the Father of love, Jesus, the one who died for us upon his merit, we are justified, and the Holy Spirit who pours out into our hearts the love of God. By the way, that sounds a lot like the language of Pentecost in Acts chapter two. I think three different times the same word is used to talk about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it appears that this happened at our conversion, at our justification, the pouring out of the Spirit into our heart, and it has ongoing results because of the tense of the verb. It started at a particular time and continues to have its effect. The Holy Spirit pours the love of God in our hearts because he's there. And life in the spirit is one that produces hope and love based on faith. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. This is reminiscent of the occasional rains that come in the Middle East. They come like torrents. We drive down to the Dead Sea and there is one valley there it's uh, coming from the, the mountains, which would be on our right as we're traveling south. And they had to build a new road because uh, between our trips, there was such a strong rain that came down from the Judean hills in a flood that took the road right out. Wow is right. And I can remember as we came back and our guide saying, well, this road is a new road. It was wiped out a year ago because of a flood. And I began to look right away at the clouds, you know. I hope it's not going to rain. Sometimes we say, like today, I hope it does. And at other times, hope it doesn't. But that's like the flooding of God's love into our soul, active in our hearts, and causing us to be changed forever. The reality is without suffering, there are many times when we wouldn't be driven to God's grace. The reality is without suffering, some people may never come to know the Savior. Remember the story of a lady who had a little daughter. She was old enough to stay at home, I think 12 No one else was in the house and the mom wanted to go to the theater to watch a movie and pretty innocent situation. She came out of the movie theater and saw that there was a fire and realized that the fire was at her house and when she got there, realized it was too late and her daughter was gone. Her daughter had put her faith and trust in Christ and had been witnessing to her mom to come to church, and the mom never did. 
And later after the grief, which in one sense never would end, the mother said, you know, I hate to say this, but had it not been for my daughter's death, I probably never would have come to Christ. And some of you can say the same thing. We don't rejoice in the death. We don't rejoice in the adverse situations. But what we do rejoice in is that God can make the wickedness of man to praise him. And the way he's going to grow us is through trials. The parallel of this passage is James chapter 1, count it all joy when you fall into diverse, various temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith produces patience. And when patience has its perfect work, you become complete, mature in Christ Jesus. Now that's the work that God is doing, but it's all from the standpoint that you and I have the peace of God, we have access into the grace of God, and we have a hope. A hope that looks forward to the future glory of heaven, but a hope, and we glory in that, but we also glory in these difficulties because we know that they make us more like Jesus and they accomplish the purposes of God. And we also know that these things that we endure in this life are temporary, but our life with God in heaven is eternal and our eyes are set on eternity. All because we've been justified by his amazing grace. In the 1960s, there was a well-known rock guitarist by the name of Jimi Hendrix. He was promiscuous in his life, outrageous on stage and off. Back in that culture of the 60s that had nothing to do with authority and tried to break every rule and the young people loved him. At the end of a concert in 1970, he smashed his guitar, which somehow became the cool thing to do. And then went down on his knees and the audience screamed and applauded and shouted. But suddenly the frenzy stopped because Jimi Hendrix on his knees was frozen in that position. He broke the silence by asking the question, if you know what real peace is, I want you to visit with me backstage after the concert. No one responded. You might say, well, that's good that no Christian would go to a rock concert, but no one responded. Several days later, he died of an overdose of drugs. Peace eluded him because no one told him that Jesus died to give him peace. Let's pray. Oh Lord, your peace is so wonderful. It's something we must share. It is so glorious. We must bask in it every day. Stand in your grace, filled with your love, by the Holy Spirit who produces in us a hope that we can boast about and share with the world. Lord, there may be someone here today who doesn't have peace. 
I pray that you'll give it to them. Lord, I pray that you will touch their hearts, draw them to yourself, show them your love. May they hear your promise, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May they hear your words of warning, turn from your wickedness and live. Oh Lord, I pray that hearts would believe in you and that the hearts of Christians would follow you by a faith stronger than anything around us. In your name we pray, amen.